Good afternoon. Um, my name is Alicia Hill. I am the director of APN Education Consultancy. In addition to that, I'm also a head teacher at a private school. So this afternoon podcast, we will be focusing on uh, transformative education. My guest this afternoon is Natalia Douglas. Hello, good afternoon. Hi, Natalia. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming. So we will be exploring um, the concepts around transformative education that has been changed and changed repeatedly over the years. There's been an enormous conversation around that. Um, so what is transformative education, first of all? Okay, so transformative education, it depends on um, the area that the person wants to focus on, essentially. But the main concept comes from Bell Hooks and um, Paolo Freire. And it's this understanding that education isn't just something that's confined to a particular structure. It's beyond what the curriculum suggests. It's beyond what the government suggests also. And it's about having this understanding that education is supposed to be lifelong and enriching and fulfilling for all of those who are experiencing education. So ultimately, it should lead to the person being transformed or reaching almost like a self-actualization state, if you will. Amazing. And so let's have have a look at that within the context of our environment, our Mm. teaching environment. What does that look like for us? So it does depend on, of course, the student body. It depends on the pedagogy that that particular school or that organisation is using. The easiest way probably to differentiate between what is transformative in terms of our current education system and what isn't is to look at the two categories that both Frere and Hooks provides us or shows us. So in their mind, transformation for our current curriculum should be about creating independent learners, also independent or critical thinkers, developing this thirst for lifelong learning and creating global citizens, which we know many primary schools are currently doing, especially Mm -hmm. since we've seen um, a change or adjustment to the Ofsted framework. To essentially be able to differentiate whether schools are doing that or not or whether our education system allows that, there's another category which um, other sociologists and psychosociologists look at um, and it's in terms of education reproducing values often those values are traditional or conservative values Mm -hmm. so it may be based on binary um, categories or may be based on focusing on one aspect of the education system so if we're looking at history for example just focusing on one side of a particular um, focus or case study Um, often education that reproduces values and existing customs will likely to have institutional sorry barriers as well so like patriarchy sexism discrimination discrimination sorry Mm -hmm. racism and the end goal really is to lead students into becoming laborers or going into the workforce yeah now we are aware that Again, it depends on the institution that you are part of and the aim and the ethos of the school. But ultimately, in order to ensure that there is transformation, you'll be leaning more towards creating global citizens that are independent thinkers. I quite like the the concept about global independent thinkers because um, particularly around character of education is about bringing those concepts into the classroom. 
and being able to facilitate those external experience within our classroom and uh, teaching and embedding our young person in terms of application of that. So um, to what extent does that look like in a classroom? Is it something that holistically we can embed or is it something that we can taught as we transition throughout the academic year, which each different dynamics of learning? Mm. Again, it does depend on the organisation and we're very much aware, especially as educational practitioners, that there are a lot of barriers and constraints. So in terms of funding, access to resources, upskilling ourselves to be prepared to be a part of a global community, so using technology and being in those spaces. But it can start off, first of all, by looking at the current student body and the community that you serve or that you're a part of. So if we focus on location, for example again recognizing that young people are a part of a global community online thinking about what is it that they're consuming online how do we manage the information that they're receiving especially if we're looking at the difference between fake news alternative truths lived experiences and so on a lot of our young people are looking beyond the textbook and beyond the curriculum so as an organization or as an education system do we want to match up to those expectations essentially or do we want to stick with the current structures um, and information that we have also looking at the fact that depending on where you are in the country as well if you're in a inner city area yeah. or if you're in a rural area what is happening in that community and again what are the lived experiences there what are the informations that they're receiving is it conflicting with what they're being taught in school and again within the classroom do you feel as the teacher or as a leader, that mm-hmm. there is space to facilitate those discussions. Yes. I know that for many teachers, while they may wish to engage in transformative education, there is that concern of how much is too much before we prepare them for the exam or prepare mm-hmm. them for this particular module in their coursework or ensuring that we get through the schemes of learning. Will it match up with the sequencing, for example? So essentially the question would be, does the school allow you Or do you feel that you will be allowed to create those spaces, even if it's just 10, 15 minutes a day or if it's embedded in a plenary, for example, something that wraps up the lesson while considering all of those discussions and other aspects of the curriculum that may not directly be in the textbook or the scheme of learning Mm -hmm. or um, in the specification, for Mm -hmm. example? Yeah, um, that is is so close to my art, actually. I've always seen teaching as taking a risk Mm. and when one's in the classroom or when you're in the classroom we're always performing and so schemes of learning never remains the same Mm. so it permits practitioners such as yourself and I to take risk Mm. with that and that's where the opportunity coming comes in for individual um, teachers to take risk with the delivery and that by that they could actually bring in the external environment mm. and play around with it and reflect on that. How mm. can that be applied differently? And sometimes you find that it does come into play whether or not you've actually put it into your lesson plan yeah. or even your schemes of learning because the conversation would deviate to something else. And, and those children who are affiliated with the wider world and very well traveled and and you know completely abreast with technology they then to bring in those arguments politically 
into the classroom mm. and it's for practitioners to be updated on those things that would engage that level of dialogic yeah. conversation with young people in the classroom so hearing that it's it's um it's really beautiful to hear um teaching is beautiful yeah it's lovely um i'm extremely passionate about teaching likewise yourself so that's just really closely resonated to my daily practices also mm. but to be mindful that um it goes it goes both ways it's for our young people to stay abreast of the current changes within the environment mm. and teachers to inform those young persons of what the changes mm. are so how do we ensure students are prepared for transformative education outside the virtual world mm. uh communities for example internet I would say, again, it is a big debate in education, especially among teachers, as to whether it is our duty to essentially provide the skills or facilitate a space for students to develop skills where they can differentiate between fake news and how to process that information and then come to their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. But I would say the best way that we do prepare is, again, having those conversations in the classroom and openly discussing different perspectives and experiences as well. So showing them that essentially there isn't necessarily that one truth even in subjects where it is quite binary, where the answer is the answer, like maths, for example, <laughs> considering that the way that maths is taught all around the world, there are different ways to get to the answer. Yeah. So building on those skills in the classroom or providing that opportunity, whether it be through homework or through the extracurricular or co-curricular, supercurricular program, where they're going to events or they're going into spaces where mm-hmm. that is done organically and also it's a great way or is a great example of how they can do that and manage those discussions I think would be really helpful again embedding it in the tasks that we do as well so while we're still sticking to the curriculum if that's a concern for some teachers or we're sticking to the specification that one activity can spark that transformation brilliant amazing that's that's really really um very well explained Natalia I really thoroughly enjoyed that thank you um so Let's take this slightly further. So we're looking at to what extent it feeds into the elites or the elite or the elitism. Mm. How does that play out? Well, again, it does depend on where you are, the community that you're serving as well. If we're Mm -hmm. taking state education, for example, we know that state education is going through many changes, especially with the growth of academies, multi-academy trusts and federations and so on. But it does go back to the previous argument that especially Freire and Hooks was discussing about whether the purpose of education is to get Mm -hmm. young people into work or if it is truly about giving them access to education. And the reason why we're going back to that is because if we look at the history of education, especially in England, the concept of accessing education was only something that would be applicable to those who had the economic capital and the cultural capital. Mm. So a lot of the classic or the um, previous institutions that existed or still exist today would cater towards those who already have the previous knowledge and skills and resources to succeed in those spaces or to truly benefit from those spaces whereas everyone else was pushed into work especially manual work Mm -hmm. now we know that manual work in terms of that sphere is changing as well 
especially with globalisation and technology. So in terms of how we look at whether there are barriers for those young people, we need to think about what is it within the curriculum that's allowing them to think beyond what's being taught and also questioning ourselves, why are we just sticking to the curriculum? Because there are many ways to still, as we mentioned before, get the answer or get what is needed. And a lot of our successful students are the ones who do think outside of the box, whereas those who do exactly what's being told or you know are part of a tick box curriculum they may get the grades but outside of that many of them struggle with joining the world and we see that often especially in secondary school and sixth form this genuine fear of going into those higher learning spaces or going into the world of work and genuinely feeling that they're not prepared because Mm -hmm. they only know what they've been told Mm -hmm. according to the textbook okay so really then is for um practitioners to think outside the textbook Mm. and get our young people um, involved in experiences which they wouldn't have normally be exposed to and that by is to potentially uh, correlate or link the curriculum with the wider business Mm. world um, set up workshops for them Mm. and getting them to have mentoring session work readiness sessions um, and being able to use those application to prepare them for interview skills, Mm. um, presentations, and and basically knowing how to present themselves in the business world. And not only that, but ensuring that what being taught or mentored by those selected organisation in terms of work readiness is applied in the classroom Mm. and transferred across other curriculars um, because they are transferable skills. Mm is to train our young people's mind, the mindset, the growth mindset yeah. of linking those curriculars, not, not particularly those the students, it's for the teachers themselves, first and foremost, to, to link those two together, have a cross-curricular plan, map it out where those elements could match a particular area in their exams, in their presentations, mm-hmm. And then giving those young people the opportunity to apply those Mm. within the classroom as well as outside the classroom and transfer them across any other subject areas that they may need to. So the work readiness is something that schools should actually look further into. It's there, Mm. but I wouldn't say that it's completely embedded. Mm. Um, So that is something useful to to sort of like look at and spread spread your schemes of learning, spread your, your... your exams question linking around um, organisations and sort of like replicating it and constantly re-embedded it and reinforce it so that the application becomes norm. Mm. I mean, you don't want (laughs) to... They talk differently, they write differently, and so the answers would be completely different. And it may come from collaboration as well. And I know, especially being a teacher presently, that sometimes having the time to collaborate and you know, really embed or work on changing or adapting what's happening in your classroom can take up a lot of time. So again, we do need to look at whether there is space within the school if leaders can provide that time or facilitate that space. And even though it may seem as though it may appear as though we have to rewrite the whole scheme of learning Mm. or consider joining a different exam board and so on, it doesn't necessarily take that. Again, it's just that small 
adaptation within that lesson, even if it's embedded once a week or once a month, having space for a debate that is tailored towards whatever it is that you're focusing on, so whether it's the success criteria or the learning objective or whatever that may be, that can still give space to develop those skills having simulation sessions like interviews for example so obviously it depends on what you're teaching Mm -hmm. but recreating what would actually happen in the real world or in a workspace makes a big difference the students will remember those moments it doesn't have to be something that's done every single lesson or (laughs) something that's you know super spectacular fireworks you don't want to be too boring yeah (laughs) but it is possible it's genuinely possible and if everyone is doing it then again it becomes the norm and students will hopefully feel more upskilled and prepared and again that self-actualization takes place because they recognize that they have a space here they found their own you know unique features and skills they see where they fit in within the curriculum and how it will benefit them outside the classroom apart from just getting the grades to get to the next step great amazing um that's brilliant natalia uh, we should have done this at the beginning of uh, our podcast. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am a teacher. I'm currently head of faculty of um, a few subjects, uh, mainly optional subjects across Key Stage 4 and Key Stage 5, and that includes vocational courses as well. So I have a background in teaching vocational courses, um, but my main subject area is sociology or the social sciences. Um just finished my master's in research as well so specializing in again research and psychosocial studies and um yeah form tutor mainly in the secondary um school sector but I've taught across the board so yeah amazing thank you uh thank you so much for joining me this afternoon thank you um I've enjoyed our conversation thoroughly and it's quite close and resonates very deeply Mm. with my practices and um, thank you I look forward to talking to you again thank you well that's it for us this afternoon and thank you bye-bye thank you